first thing that I got to bring up. Now, are both of you involved? Are, are both of you involved in Decimation, Decimation Earth? No, Wally has done some artwork for me for Decimation Earth, but Decimation Earth is okay. a totally separate project. Actually, gotcha, Wally's gotcha. one of my biggest uh, supporters and mentors for Decimation Earth. Um, okay. When I first got into this, Wally was one of the people that helped guide me on some of the decisions I made. Of course, I call him my big bro, even though I'm older, but he's been in the business longer than I have. Uh, he'll tell you I don't necessarily listen to him all the time. And he sits back and see. <laughs> I can already see you shaking his head. He's like, yeah, this motherfucker didn't listen to me just this yesterday. Yeah. And then he'll be like, his famous line to me is like, you know, bruh, I wasn't going to say anything, but, you know, I'm going to let you move. But I'm just saying, you know. Mad yeah. Funny, but he, he's, All right. oh, he's been a big supporter. Oh, only reason that I asked is because, yo, this motherfucker Lonzo didn't tell me that you guys had issue two out. And I'm I'm like, because obviously I read issue right. one. I did the review on it. And I've been waiting for issue two for like a minute. And then I was just like, yo, this, and I reread it today. I was like, yo, this shit is so creative, man. It's like multiple different stories and the artwork is so fire. I don't think that there's literally no comic that I've seen that is black and white, like that noir type of style. And I was just like, yo, this shit belongs on like, uh, uh, what's that fucking show on Netflix? Uh, Robots, Sex, and Death, or some shit like that. Oh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. But the shit is super hard. It's sci-fi. And then I go on Concrete, and I'm like, oh, this motherfucker got issue two out, and he didn't even freaking tell me. Like, <laughs> yo, what the hell? I'm sitting down with these two fucking today. And like now I'm going to be like a fucking idiot that I didn't read issue two. But either way, we'll talk about fucking everything. I know you guys got your new project out. And, um... Yo, let's fucking introduce this shit. Um, everybody, if you're listening to fucking on, I'm listening on YouTube, Spotify, wherever you're listening to. Um, I've got two, uh, I would say aspiring people in the comic industry. I got David and I got Wally. They are basically tag teaming a new project, which is very interesting. Um, I'm gonna kind of let them describe it, but it's about a military guy who turns to a vigilante and he has. PTSD from war, which I want to get into because are either one of you guys veterans? I am. David is. I did eleven. Okay. I did eleven and a half years in the Marine Corps Infantry. Thank you for your service, man. Thank you for your service. And I was going to say that had to be the reason why this story is in a uh, production right now. But um, let's give a round of applause for you guys and uh, let's get to it, man. So how do we come up with this idea? Obviously with you being in the military. So actually, Wally, we were at a Comic-Con in Bayfield. Thank you. It's good. Bayfield, and, and Wally, it was my first time actually doing a Comic-Con and I tagged along with Wally to support him and, and, and learn the ropes. And Wally was aware of Decimation Earth and him and I had started talking and everything. And, um, and one day, I think we were getting ready to leave the hotel room that morning or we had come back. And Wally's like, you know, I got this idea. I want to bounce off of you. Um, I was like, OK. And he says, I want to do it about where I come from, Lumberton, North Carolina, which is in uh, near uh, uh, the base in North Carolina, Fayetteville. Um, and um, I was like, OK. So Wally said the story is going to be about 
how he grew up and interactions with his family, the social issues in that area, and he wanted to draw attention to it. And so we start, excuse me, start talking about the characters. And as we start talking about the characters, you know, we both started drawing on our own experiences. I took David to see some real live gangsters too. Yeah, yeah, he did. (laughs) Yo, you know what's crazy? And and sorry to interrupt you. I literally was just in Lumberton, like right before Thanksgiving, which is crazy. Word. So I was meeting up with someone because I'm looking for like another camera, like one that I use now, but like from a different angle. And and the person was like, yo, I'm selling it. He's like, I'm in Lumberton. So I drove there. And then when I came back, everybody was like, oh, you went to Lumberton? Like, I'm like, first of all, I'm like, I'm from New York. Like, I used to take the train to the Bronx with my uncle. Like, it doesn't get that much crazier than that. Like, it takes a lot to scare me. But, um, yeah, apparently Lumberton is like the fucking spot when it comes to, I guess, degeneracy, if that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh. So as we started talking, we started fleshing out ideas and we're like, we wanted to create uh, a hero that was put in a situation of coming back to his hometown and seeing all the things that he had experienced and finding himself in in a position to try to change what he was seeing. Um, And one of the things that we were we were talking about, well, let's, let's give him some military experience. So he has the skills to do this vigilanteism, not the way Batman does it, but a different type of vigilanteism. But then as we started delving into it, I was like, why not explore PTSD? Cause this gentleman, this individual has been through war. So he's experienced and Wally's like, okay, I like that idea, but also let's look at it from him having not only PTSD from being involved in combat, but PTSD from him growing up in Lumberton and the things that he experienced and how it affected him. And so him coming back to Lumberton and having PTSD of this trauma, both from his time in the combat and and the trauma from his childhood collide together. And so as he's trying to right the wrongs in this city, he's battling with mental health issues as well. So it's like, and I'm going to let Wally pick it up from here after this, but it's like he, he finds himself in a situation where he not only has these abilities to fight the crime in his city, but he also obtains superhero abilities but we've kind of pushed that back into the shadows a little bit. Yeah. We're not going to, it's going to be there, but we're not going to make it the predominant feature. Like if you would find in like daredevil or, or Luke cage, you know, he's a street level hero. Yeah. And it's like, to me, it's like, I don't know if you've ever read the book by, um, it was a movie by Matthew McCon- it was a movie with Matthew McConaughey and um Samuel Jackson. Okay. Um it was A Time to Kill, I think was the movie. But the book was written by John Grisham. And there was a and the way I looked at this as working with Wally and trying to write and collab together, I put myself in that position as John Grisham did when he went into the courtroom when he was doing research for his book about what would you do if you found yourself in a situation and how would you react? 
Like if your child was brutally attacked, what would you do as a parent? Mm -hmm. So in this case, what would you do if you were in a situation and you saw all this crime, all this corruption, all the way they were treating black and brown people in a uh, justice system that was corrupt, in a system where, you know, everybody, the haves and have-nots, are just being, the have-nots are just being squashed. Yeah. And what would you do? Would you cross that line? And that's one of the things I think we're going to look at, too, is the ethical and moral dilemma of taking justice into your own hand from a realistic standpoint. Not from a, a standpoint where Batman works with the police department or Daredevil is allowed to exist. And I'll yeah. let you pipe in there, Wally, if I've missed anything. No, I mean, you know, I mean, even though it's not Daredevil, but when when I've been talking to certain people about it, I always I tell them it's, it's, it's Netflix is Daredevil meets The Wire. You know what I mean? There's there's the street the street aspect of it. There's the street level superhero aspect. We don't even call him a superhero. We really pretty much look at him like an antihero, you know, because some of the choices he's got to make coming from where he comes from, he understands pushing the boundaries, pushing the lines. But it's not just with cats on the streets. It's also with the police. It's also with the politicians. That's, that's something I loved about The Wire. They showed you how everything intertwined with everything and we kind of want to do that to a certain degree with this story but going even further into who really benefits from the so-called crime and who really benefits from the so-called stopping of the crime and who really is empowered to make these things happen so our main character jamal is saying you know what i can walk into certain environments that others can't and i can walk the, the fine line in between all of it and i can bring it all down but once i do that what happens you know what i mean what's the result of me doing this you know yeah. so that, that's always an interesting thing because and you see this in a lot of stories every time you take down one bad guy or you knock down one infrastructure another one that is just as corrupt if not more corrupt right. goes in its place so it's like damn what the hell do i do at this point right and, you know you could even talk about shit like that during this day it's like yo if we get rid of this administration. Damn, does the next one come up that's just as bad or if not worse? Right. Um, so, right. no, those are good themes that you guys have going on in your comics. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, really, really good themes. I always, I always like the shit that can mix hood, uh, hood elements right. with, like, supernatural shit, if that makes sense. Yeah. I'm always yeah. going to love that. And, and David, he forgot to mention, so... A few years ago in Lumberton, there was a Lumberton Fairville. There was a huge flood that occurred because of one of the storms that came through. And, you know, this, this has been years and people are still trying to rebuild from, from what happened. You know, when these, these events happen, a lot of times people who aren't impacted, they're in it for the moment and then they move on. But the people who were there are still trying to build from the ground up. And so the flood story is, is in the this book as well but we use it as a, as a as a tool to not only show how certain groups of people are left out on their own high and dry or everything is taken away from them, not just by the storm but by the government and by other powers that come in and want land gentrification like all these things are real but then it's also that other element of how jamal gets his abilities 
the storm is a part of it. The, 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 the military base is a part of it. And, you know, that's where we get into the sci-fi and, the, and these other elements. But he's not the only one. You know what I mean? So it's not quite where he's got a rose gallery. It's just what happens and you wake up and some people die from what happened, but other people wake up changed and they're not as responsible as, as you might be or I might be. And they're like, yo, you know what? Nah, I'm about to take over everything. You know what I'm saying? So mm. there's that dilemma that happens as well. But it's not everybody hasn't realized this yet. He's just one of the first people to realize it. But the other side of it is growing up in Lumberton, we were known for, you know, violence. We were known for being a rough place. We were known for um, that's that area is where Michael Jordan's dad was found when he when he was killed. You know what I mean? Like, so these are the things that, that the stigma that people had on us if they had heard about us. So my thing is to also show that there are real people who are impacted by these things. There are real people who are surviving and, and having to do what they got to do. And some of those decisions don't come easy. You know yeah. what I mean? They, they come with a, a, a lot that goes behind just trying to get by day to day, you know? So I, it's a lot. We originally started writing this for television, but decided, you know, through the comic, we could flesh out and develop a lot of things and then we'll get into whatever else with it as things move along. So, you know. Okay. Nice, nice. Well, how do you guys feel working with each other like so we ha so you're the artist wally but both of you guys are the writers not so i i did a lot of the the core design of the characters but we have another uh, artist named solomon who's actually yeah. doing the book and an artist named sean aline who who redid some of the character designs that i gave him and tweaked them and came up with some of the changed some of the looks so we have a couple of different artists who we're working with but solomon is the main artist on the actual interiors of the book and the cover that I sent you. Um, so me and David are writing together. David is more of a traditional writer. I'm more of a, uh, I guess, a, a notorious B.I.G. Jay-Z writer where I have a bunch of stuff up here and I'll put keynotes down and then we just talk back and forth until we get enough for him to go and type. He'll shoot it back. I do edits, send something back. We'll get back on the phone, talk, you know, three, four hours and until we get a script. And, and, you know, everything in place that, that feels right. The biggest thing for David and for me is authenticity of how people move and talk. That's what I loved about The Wire as well. Like, you felt like most of the people in that show were from Baltimore. You didn't feel like yeah. you were people. Even though there were people from other places, you didn't feel like they just went and threw somebody in. And, you know what I mean? So I can't not I – can't, I have to make sure that certain things feel realistic when people are communicating so it doesn't feel forced or – slang is thrown in just for the sake of throwing slang in like it's got to make sense you know what i mean mm -hmm. so and i'm probably a headache to david because he'll send me something and i'll be like nah that won't Nobody fly talks like that yeah and that and and that's an interesting thing that you bring up because wally and i come from different different places i come from ohio a small town in ohio wally is from lumberton so from the north and south and the way the dialogue is so i'll write the dialogue and you know and work with well i'm always like no no that's not that's not how this person needs to sound but that's okay i know what you're saying yeah. just put it in and we'll tweak it from there yeah um and that's one of the things like since wally brought up the wires is one of the things that i didn't get a chance to watch the wire when it first came out but when we started working on this wally was giving me source materials he's like hey you need to go check out the wire so I started watching The Wire, and I started seeing, okay, yeah, I see how the dialogue, how the move, how they introduced a lot of people in into that series, and how authentic the series was 
with the city of Baltimore because there was a lot of characters that were genuinely from Baltimore mm-hmm. um, that they based that they some of the actors who played certain roles were based off of those characters and they were in the show to add more authenticity to the wire. And, and I think that's definitely something as Wally says, we want to be authentic. We want to be as gritty and we want to be as real as possibly we can. Not even that we want to, but we got to yes. because I got to go back home. Every yeah. You got to go back home. Where, yo, there's nothing worse than watching something that's like located in an area. And it's, like in forget about inaccurate location wise, inaccurate as far as people wise. Like right. I watched the Power series, and um, uh, the one with like Ghost and Tommy mm-hmm. and all that shit. Yeah. And like one of the most unrealistic shit is when they found parking spaces in NYC, like right when they needed to. Like unrealistic. I worked right. in the Bronx for a year and a half. I drove in Manhattan. I had a big ass pickup truck. You can never find parking. I don't care if you had a small car or whatever it was. Yeah. And it was just like when they would just pull up to a spot and find parking, it was like, all right, yo, come right. on, man. Right. Y'all right. not even trying anymore. So I right. get that aspect, man. Sometimes yeah. that shit kind of like fucking irks me as well, bro. But yeah. like also like you'll see shit. So I watched the BMF series and like I'm not from Detroit. I don't know anything about Detroit. But right. from what I've seen other people say who are from Detroit and from me watching it, that shit seems authentic as fuck as far as like the music, the way they talk and all that shit. Um, well, it's interesting that you bring so, that up because yeah. I watched the documentary instead of the show. Okay. Um, and Wally and I had a conversation with that. It's like I couldn't get into the show, so I watched the documentary. And then I reached out to family members that I have in Detroit in that area yeah. who knew a lot of those people in that in uh, in that time frame when BMF was was uh, coming up. And, don't um, kill my dreams right now. Huh? Don't kill it. I said, don't kill my dreams right now. Don't tell me that the show is not. No, authentic no, no, it's no. Trash. It's 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 not. I'm not saying it's not authentic, but I, but I was talking to my cousin about an incident involving um, a showdown between Big Meech and another guy in a bar, and and they dressed in the documentary, and he kind of like, well, there's a little more to it that what happened okay. in the bar. You know, that is that that was what he said to me. Now I'm not I'm just saying, you know, how people are like, Oh, I know this person and you might, you know, ad lib a little bit. But I think the documentary yeah. gave me a little bit more uh authentic uh made it more real to me than the T V yeah. show. I mean, because to me I'm more about documentaries than a TV show about crime because Okay when you deal with the script and a television show, um, you have a little bit of more, I guess, creativity, but you still have to be authentic. But with the documentary, you know, they were interviewing a lot of people that were involved. And that was another thing that I watched as I was working on this project with Wally to understand how Big Meech and his brother moved and how they rose to prominence in the drug game. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna totally rip my show apart. I'm like, yo, that's nah. one of my favorite shits right nah. now. All right, cool, cool, cool. But I was that surprised guy. to find out that Big Meech's son. I didn't realize Big Meech's son yeah. was playing him. Yep. Yep. That was one of the things that sold me. I was like, oh, Big Meech's son is playing him. I definitely got to watch it. 
between that and then 50 fucking uh, producing it or whatever, yeah. I was like, this shit's got to be hard. So, yeah. no, that's super dope, man. And I'm all for, again, it's like, you know, taking your experiences, whether it's you with the military background and creating a character who has PTSD from the military, and then you taking your background, Wally, with you living in this community that I don't want to say has a whole bunch of stories and kind of like glorify it because obviously uh, a lot of it is centered around negativity, but using that experiences and using it to tell story to where it's like, who knows, people will learn from it, know about this area, and then it'll also bring attention to it and probably help your community in the forefront in real life as opposed right. to just in the story. Right. Yeah, that's super cool. That's super cool. Um, I, I think, as you mentioned, the PTSD yeah. is going to pay. A, it's going to play a big role for our character because okay. I think Wally and I really talked about it about how it may affect him in some certain situations. Okay. And and him having to adjust to those situations because of the PTSD. Okay. And I don't think, and from a veteran standpoint, I don't think a lot of people really. Or, period, from anybody who has a traumatic, traumatic background, truly understand what PTSD is and how it can really affect somebody. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just from me, you know, reading different stories and hearing different things from, you know, I watch a lot of things from people who were in the military, um, you know, like the, the guy who was a part of the team that assassinated or killed Osama bin Laden and him talking about his experiences and PTSD from his teammates and, you know, just things like that. And, you know, pe hearing from people even outside of stuff like that that go through PTSD, whether it's like with their a bad family home or parents or, you know, it, it could be as far as a job, a job where you have a boss that is terrible and then you get out of that situation, but you still feel like you're in that scenario. Right. That's a form of PTSD. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, shit like that. Fuck, yo, I had PTSD. I had I had probably one of the worst bosses in my life. Like I, I this guy, I was I was on the road with him one time and he was talking to me about how Hitler inspired him. And I was like, yo, I need to get the fuck out of this company. And he would call me at like four o'clock in the morning to like get to work or work on different projects. And then when I quit that job. I literally was waking up at like four o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, like, yo, where's my work phone? And I'm like, oh shit, I don't work there anymore. Right. And this was happening like weeks after I had already changed jobs. And I was like, fuck, like this is PTSD right here. I never experienced that shit ever. So I could only imagine amplifying that from somebody who's been in the military or a police officer or some shit, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and even, even just like growing up, for lack of a better term, growing up in the streets where you're conditioned to see things a certain way, and when you remove yourself from that environment, you're still subconsciously moving a certain way because that's what you've known for so long, and it feels uncomfortable to do anything else. You know what I mean? Yep. Like driving home and taking different routes because maybe somebody trying to see where you're going or trying to figure out your schedule. You know what I mean? Like just, just little things that some people take for granted. They don't even think twice about but you're so conditioned to walk in a room and know where the exits are. Don't sit with your back to a window or a door. Count how many people's in that environment. Who's moving a certain way? Who was sitting in the parking lot before you walked in? Just because you're thinking, if it goes left, I need a, I need a way out. I need an opportunity to survive. And, and so you're not even enjoying life 
in the simplest form because you're so conditioned to survive a certain way. You know what I mean? Yo, it's so, it's so crazy that you say that. My uncle grew up in Brooklyn, like in the hood, in and out of jail, like all of that shit. Um, so my mom, who's his uh, sister, like he came to live with us one time. And yeah. he would always be like, he would get on me and my brother for not, not locking the front door. Right. And he would always be looking out the window right. and I'd be like, yo, who you looking for? He was like, I don't know. I'm just like, man, I'm like, yo, my nigga, like we in Long Island, like there's trees and bushes outside. You don't got to be afraid of that. Weed. But right. like, I, I could see that now. It was like, yeah. yo, he was like, you ever see that picture of uh, uh, Malcolm X when he's like looking out yeah. the window? Yeah. That's how my uncle was. And yeah. It was like, bro, it's like, there's white kids running out here. Like you don't got to worry about Right. This shit anymore. right but yeah right. i get it man yeah i remember uh one of my one of my uh, staff sergeants he was an instructor for the marine martial arts program mcmath and we were going through uh knife training i know it sounds cool but it's not really that cool but anyway um he was, I was gonna say knife training that sounds yeah it was just, we're just we're, cool, we're learning how to how to make cuts and slashes but he was telling us a story how about people. Say he was learning how to kill people. <laughs> but he was telling us a story about how I think it was a, a family member or a friend, I can't remember, had just gotten out of prison and he had gone, I think he was gone to, to a restaurant. And I may not be telling the story exactly because it, because it's been years, but basically, basically is as he was walking in the restaurant to go back and sit with his family, someone bumped into him. And when that person bumped into him, he ended up turning around and shanking him. Because Damn. in prison, if someone bumps into you, it's a, it's a sign of disrespect and you've got you to gotta stand up. And so he just naturally reacted that way. Yeah. So I think that's, I th yeah, I think that's definitely something we're really going to examine is how Jamal's environment has affected him and shaped him. That's kind of like when my wife keeps slapping my ass. And like now I'll be like walking around the house, like covering my ass. And she's like, yo, I'm not going to slap you. And yeah. I'm like, I don't, I don't trust you. Right. right. It's that fucking knee jerk reaction. It's like, yo, I'm not trying to fucking have my shit fucking all sore and shit. But anyway, but um, all right, cool. So we got, we got some fire stories. Um, We're talking about PTSD. Um, in the project that I'm writing right now, not that it's centered around PS PTSD, but it's also centered around trauma and um, specific people. So basically, there's like a, a, a war going on. Uh, aliens are on Earth, you know, whatever. And <clears throat> I don't want to go into too much detail, but the people that can help the humans, they basically get their uh, power from trauma. So they make like deals and they get powers and they're able to help people. One of the things for me is I've always felt like your trauma has always been seen as something that can hinder you from doing great shit. And I was always wanted it to be like, nah, it's like you got to learn how to use your trauma and the negative shit, not dwindle on it, but use that shit to fuel you to do incredible shit, right. shit that can help you. And, you know, whether it's like negative shit or positive shit, get you to where you want to be and use it to where to where you want to go. And it's interesting that you guys are doing that same thing. And it's just two different aspects. And I love that you guys teamed up because you have, like you said, trauma through the hood, trauma through the military, at two different sides of the spectrum. But now you're coming together, creating this character who's basically going to have his own journey and his own story. Um, 
So that's pretty dope, man. That's pretty dope. I appreciate that. That story. That story sounds super dope. That's a very unique take on how to utilize trauma. Just the idea of that. That's, that's dope. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I I got into a period in my life where it's like, it's like yo, I I I fucked up so bad, and I I felt like everything that I touched kind of like turned to gold a little bit. But then I did something where I fucked up so bad, and then it was like. Everything after that just, like, went to shit. Like, I could do the simplest thing, and I would fuck it up. And I knew it was a mental thing, but I couldn't get out of that, like, psychotic rhythm of me looking down on myself because I fucked up and I disappointed so many different people to where now it's like, yo, like, what the fuck can I do? It's like, do I just eat this and take the L for the rest of my life? Well, it's like, no, it's like, I need to use this to fuel myself to create something that is going to be super dope that I'm proud of, that I like. And that I could eventually build upon, which is this shit, what I'm doing right now. Like, I don't know where the fuck I would be without this. And obviously my wife and my kids, but like this shit literally fucking fuels me every single day. And I know it sounds stupid and cliche and everybody can make fun of me in the comments and shit. But I do feel like I'm like a superhuman because of all of the shit that I'm able to accomplish throughout the day and work my fucking nine to five and have my wife and my kids and shit like that. It's like, yo, I'm trying to build a fucking empire. I'm writing my own fucking uh, manga, comic, whatever. I'm building up my social media presence, trying to build up my YouTube channel and my podcast. And it's like, yo, it's like you can do that same shit and take your trauma and create whatever the fuck you want to create. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, that's, that's this is this is always this has been an outlet for me for a long time, bro. Like the first time I walked into a convention and saw people creating things independently, I was I was young, like a, like, like a kid, and I walked up to this table. These cats called Dragon Clan, and um, they were all it was all black and Asian cats had came together. And they bought out like a whole section of Heroes Con and just had tape. Like you had no choice but to see them. Their presence was like you had to feel it. And I got to the end of the table. There's this cat there named Madero. I'm like, I ain't know him at the time. And I'm like, yo, bro, like one day I want to be like, y'all tell these stories and blah, blah, blah. He just looked at me with this crazy look. And the look on his face, like in the streets, it meant like we had a problem. You know what I'm saying? So I stepped back like, yo, what's good? He like, nothing. It's just... The only difference between me and you is is I chose to sit on this side of the table. You chose to stand on that one. Like, that's the only thing stopping you from doing what we're doing. And it was like a, a, a brain release of, of reality check. Like, yo, so this is about choices. This is what this is really about. Like, mm-hmm. find a way. And he was like, bro, come sit with us. Watch how we move. The next time I see you, you need to be on the other side of the table. And from that point on, it was like, yo, I'm about to tell these stories. Like, don't wait for the industry. Don't wait for no handout. Don't wait for nobody to give you nothing. You didn't make it this far waiting and and, and asking, like, and don't wait for someone to tell the stories that you feel like need to be told. Don't wait for nobody to give you some sort of outlet. Like, go out there and make a path. Go out there and build that. And, and that became my mentality from that point on. Like, I didn't care whether I worked for anybody. As long as I was putting in the work and doing the things that I wanted to do and somebody could connect with it somewhere, it didn't matter to me. If it was a thousand years after I left, I accomplished doing this thing and I put it here and now I'm going to this next thing. I'm putting it and, and that's just the mentality. Like David would tell you, I've never believed in sitting around waiting. I've never believed in no handouts. I'm not saying you can't get help, 
but yeah. at the end of the day we deal with a lot of things internally you got to figure out how to how to turn those into something else and, and and use it like art and writing has been a voice for me for a long time bro like to say art saved my life is not a false statement the first time somebody told me that i was like what like what you mean like i was offended <laughs> because i didn't really get it it was just such a natural part of the process but later it was like yo it really did it gave me a, a different outlet it gave me something else to turn to when certain things were going on it's like I, don't, I can't go to nobody and talk about this or express this or whatever even even i was very fortunate that the people around me accepted whatever i brought to the table where they might not have accepted it with certain other people like to be into anime and all this now is cool yeah i was coming up like i saw people get beat up for for saying something about dragon ball or what you know what i mean like <laughs> yep. so but i was fortunate that i could come in and bring that up and the and the homies was like oh yeah word like suddenly one of the biggest gangsters i knew was a a, a spider-man todd mcfarland collector like he was he had a stash and and i never knew this like i fucking i love like, these stories i love these stories of the hoodest dude that you could think of and then like a sailor move fucking right, fan. Right. Bro, I, yo, when I told this story before, when I was fucking younger, like this dude, I don't want to say his name because I, I don't want him to run up on me. But blood, he definitely carried a fucking hammer to fucking school. Yeah. Me and my boy was sitting on a stoop one day and I, I don't I, we were maybe playing like Pokemon, like we may be playing something. And he came through. He was like, Oh, yeah, 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 play, oh Yu-Gi-Oh! He was like, Y'all playing Yu-Gi-Oh! And we were like, Yeah. Yeah. And he was telling us all about the anime that he liked. I was like, yo, this motherfucker is fucking dope as hell. I thought you right. just wanted to shoot the fade with everybody. Right, right. right. And uh, yeah. he never fucked with us after that. In fact, nobody ever fucked with us because he didn't fuck with us after that. Right. And I was like, all right, this shit is nice. Yeah, bro. Like, it's, it's, and you know, now it's, it's the norm. But back then, it wasn't talked about like that. And, and, yep. but if you had enough respect, you could, you could change the momentum on that. And to find cats who was secretly big into this world, and then they find somebody they could open up to and be like, "Oh, you'll understand this," like you know what I mean. And I, I remember the first time one of my Asian partners came in with a Dragon Ball manga, and I'm like, "Why is this book backwards?" He's like, "Oh, bro, you like you lost, like you don't even understand like what I'm bringing to you right now." And I'm yeah. like, "Word!" So he put me on, you know what I'm saying? And then I took it back to the neighborhood and I put cats on, and then next thing we know, like you seeing animes popping up, and it's like. I remember being at my cousin's crib in the projects and it's stick up kids, dope boys, nerds. It's every walk of life you could think of converging onto his girl's crib in the projects to watch Goku become Super Saiyan for the first time. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I know, know y'all were there for a couple of days because this <laughs> motherfucker Goku took like 75 episodes yeah. it, it to fucking hit that first Super Saiyan. Yeah, that's it the, that's the one thing about Dragon Ball. I, I, well, I tell you uh, that my one twin son, Ian, he is a mad Dragon Ball fan. Bleach, Demon Slayer, huge Transformers, huge Sailor Moon. I mean, his room, is he's got all the figures. And uh, and my younger cousin is a Dragon Ball fan. As a matter of fact, I think it was a couple days ago, Wally was sitting, we were sitting on the phone and Ian and I were chopping back and forth with Wally about Dragon Ball, shooting videos back and forth. <laughs> yeah, 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 but it, it's cool to see the culture bring so many people together. You know what I mean? That's true. Yeah. That's true. Anime, comics, superheroes, and video games. Those are like the three things 
that bring all different type of people, cultures, everything. I would throw, I'll throw music and like rap in there, but we're just yeah. talking about like this type of shit. But right. yeah, all, all of that just brings everybody together. Well, it's funny that you, how Wally got introduced to anime and you got introduced to anime. I didn't get used introduced to anime until I did a deployment over in Okinawa, uh, Japan. So I was in Japan and then some of the guys were like, hey, anime, and I started checking it out. Cause like I would, it would pop, we would get cable in the room, but it'd be, it wasn't like American cable. And you flip through the channel and you see this anime. Oh, what is this, man? This is cool. Fist of the North Star and all, all this stuff, you know, Robotech. Robotech is what I got introduced to. I became a huge Robotech fan. And, and, yeah. uh, yeah. When I learned about Robotech, I just didn't know what anime was. I didn't even know to call it. Anime. Right. It was just like, here's cartoon with a right. thing. Did you know what I mean? Did I know to call it anime back then? I maybe I did. I don't know. Well, it depends. When were you stationed in Okinawa? Like what year? Well, I was I was over in Okinawa in the nineties, and you got to remember, I'm older than both of you guys. So while you guys were playing Yu-Gi-Oh and coming up, I was over <laughs> in Okinawa. I'm, I'm going to be fifty three this year. So for me, right, yeah, you got me. I was like, I was looking at you. I was like, yo, you can't be that much older than me. I was like, I'm thirty four. <laughs> yeah. But then you said fifty three. I was like, all right, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, okay. I mean, it was from Robotech that I branched into Fist of the North Star, Go-Go uh, okay. 13, uh, Blue Submarine 7. I mean, it was just like, it's like once you get into anime, it's so many things. Now, Dragon Ball, I didn't get introduced into that until I think my second or third tour in the Marine Corps, and I happened to catch it. And I was like, oh, and it was, I think I caught it just as the Cell Saga started. The Cell, yeah, the Cell Saga, and then, no, Frieza. When he was fighting Frieza, he was already on his way to Namek. And that's when I caught it. And from there, I just could not stop. And that led to, how do you say, Yi Hakusho? Mm. Then I got into that. Yi Hakusho, that's my favorite anime of all time. Mm -hmm. My Bro, I got fucking Yusuke up there. I got Kuwabara right there. That is my fucking favorite anime of all time. Oh, my God. I fucking love that shit, man. And then my cousin introduced me to Crying Freeman, which was a manga. And he had the manga for Crying Freeman. So, yeah. I mean, anime. Anime is, is, is I think, also has an influence in, in my writing as well. Um, mm. I, I, I... This... They're so good at fucking telling stories, man. Right. It's crazy how good they are. And that, and that's, I think, the important thing now, if we bring it back, that is the way we tell the story. We want to tell it in a way that the reader is there. That whatever, how we write, there is an experience or something that someone out there has experienced. Whether you're from Lumberton, mm-hmm. whether you were in the military, whether you were covering, you're dealing with addiction, alcoholism, drug addiction, whether you've been a victim of, of, of some type of trauma in your life, there's something there for you to see and maybe be, and you can identify with the story and grow with the story. Mm-hmm. And, and I think one of the things I'm thankful for Wally is that Wally has a way of like pulling me back. Like he said, like we sit down, we thumbnail sketch out, the scenes and he's like, all right, Dave, boom. And then I'll get into one of these things where 
I get super hyper focused and something to go and I'll just like bam, 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 bam. Wally, what do you think? He'll go quiet on the phone for a minute. Do you come back? Well, I don't know, bruh. <laughs> he'll be like, nah, that, that ain't it. Yeah, he'll be like, I like where you're going, but I'm pretty sure that character is not going to react that way. I mean, there's been some times we've gone back and forth about how certain characters act, and Wally's like, no, Dave, I'm telling you, this is how this person's going to act in this certain situation. Trust me, from my experience, this is how this should shake it out. And then I go back and say, okay, I got you. And I go back and I reshape it. Okay. You know? But sometimes, sometimes, you know, I have to I have to be mindful of his creativity too. You know what I mean? Like as much as I want things to be authentic, much as I want things to connect in a certain way, even when we're using certain references to real situations, it's like, well, we do have the liberty to alter these things. So a lot of times I'll tell them like, yo, let me sit with that for a minute. Let me sit yeah. with that thought and, and I'll come back to you because I, I need to be balanced and I need to be fair. But, you know, sometimes they've, they've you know, and our experiences are different, but it's not to say we don't both know people. But sometimes I'm strictly coming from the perspective of in this environment, when this situation happened, this is how this would typically go. We yeah. can change that. But other people that come from that is going to be like. Ah, these, oh, these these cats these niggas just changed up like all right all right this this fiction now <laughs> you know what i mean right. like even though we got to do run around with a mask doing whatever that moment would that would disconnect certain some people you know what i mean so it's trying to make sure that that connection stays there but at the same time making sure that we both have room to explore and another thing for us with this story is the city the city is a character itself you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. like the environment is sometimes forgotten about, but the environment plays a huge role in everything and the way that things move, the way that things feel, smell, taste, touch. Uh, we really want you to feel like like you're there. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, fucking but, Gotham, Gotham City. That Gotham City is a fucking character of fucking Batman. Same thing right. with Metropolis, but more so Gotham. Like when people say like Gotham City, you know, it's dark, it's dingy. There's the range fucking yeah. people running around and shit. Like, yeah, you you understand it. Yeah, and for us, this city is a living, breathing. I don't want human being to me. This is the best way I can spread it. It's not an organism. It's an actual living, breathing uh, body. And the people in it are just, you know, inside the body. It's like they're the white blood cells, the red blood cells. You know, they're the nerves, you know, yep. of the city. And, and and they interact in the city, move about the city, but the city itself is living and breathing, and it has a sickness. And that sickness is, is eating away, it's eating itself alive with the people within the city. It's feeding upon the city because of the corruption and the crime and the social issues that happen that, cr that has turned this city into a dark, gritty place that yeah. affects the people. And Jamal wants to be the cure. Yep. He wants to be the cure. So, like, if you, so for instance, if you look at Batman, since we brought up Batman and Gotham, Gotham was a product, in my mind, of the people. 
Gotham never started out the way it did. Mm-hmm. It was the product of the people. Some might even argue that Batman is the reason why you have the supervillains running around that city. Because if Batman wasn't there, would those individuals be there? To create a level playing field to do their crimes to combat with Batman. Right. But, you know, you have a rogues gallery of villains that keep popping up in that city. You know, I'm not a fan of Calendar Man or the Calculator, but... um, (laughs) You know, but with our character, we don't necessarily have a rogues gallery, but we have individuals who become like one of the things we want to explore is why some of the characters become villains or bad people there. It's not because they want to turn to a life of crime. It's because of their environment and how on what they grew up with. I remember Wally telling me a story with him when he was growing up, how. Like he said, he he grew up around stick-up kids, dope boys, you know, drug leaders and stuff. But yet, I remember, and this is really something that stuck with me, uh, and one of the cons I went with Wally, is how those individuals encouraged and pushed him to to keep going down the path he was going with art. Yeah. And so we want to examine how some of these people got to where they were and why they did do the things they do you know you know yeah some people might start going into life of crime because hey i saw what's his name he's got this big wad of money i'm gonna do it but then it's also that young kid who has a mother who's working three jobs and two younger brothers and a a little sister and they're not making the money and he's trying to stay on the straight and narrow but he's got to help his family so he's got to make choices and these choices are based on how to survive and i think that's something that i I think wally and i can both agree is about how do you survive in in an environment like that but then we also so show the juxtaposition of someone who seemingly has it all but it's not enough because they want the they want something dangerous they want to be on the edge and and now they get into a life that's not what they thought it was but once you're there you're there yep. and, and and so and or the money gets so good or you know the politician who had a good dream at first but gets bought off you know what i mean so we we, we, we kind of try to entwine all these choices and decisions and things that impacted and how everything isn't straight and narrow everything isn't black and white you know a lot of times with the decisions that are made and how some people have to turn it off i know people who have done atrocious things and they go home and become the most gentle person on the planet at home but when they step back out that door that reputation precedes them and they have to stay on that the whole time they're outside even when they get back home they partially got to stay on top of that because now they're known for something and if they become anything else in 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 the spotlight of the world they're fooled you know what i'm saying so yeah, I mean, yo, motherfuckers do this shit all the time, you know, whether you're a, a dope boy that fucking hit a lick and then you go home and then, like, you're playing Connect Four with your fucking daughter, or, you know, like myself, like, I put on my white voice when I'm at work, but then when I'm fucking done with work and I'm playing fucking Xbox, it's like, yo, right. fuck you niggas, like, pop up, right. like, you know, it, it, everybody has to do that same shit. You guys are playing around with a lot of themes, like, and obviously I'm not going off for visuals, I 
Um, I haven't like read the comic yet. It, it it's not in my hands, but you guys are playing around with a lot of themes that are great. It's just like if you guys keep those themes and do the story, the storytelling's on point. The artwork is fire. You got a fucking dope fucking project on your hands, man. Yeah, we, I mean we see we see this shit all the time. It's like the shit that you were talking about with the corrupt politicians. We see that shit in almost like every fucking gangster movie, a gangster series. You see it where the person, you know, does a crazy crime, but then they're like a school teacher or some shit like that. Like we see we see different stories with those different themes. And a lot of times they're freaking great and it's because of the storytelling. Right. And right. one of the things that I do with in this process, I do a lot of research. Wally will tell you, I am skip running through the news, the internet looking at stuff that's coming out of Lumberton, looking at stuff that's coming out from all over the city, looking for themes that tie into what we're, what we're doing with, with Elton um, and trying to keep it authentic. And, and one of the things as going back to what you said about how people flip the script, Hey, I'm out here being a dope boy, but I'm home being a dad. The, there's this one part in Sicario the, the first Sicario, where... Oh, that's a good fucking movie. Del Toro goes into the big drug dealer's house, and mm-hmm. he's just sitting down having a normal dinner with his wife and kids at a big table, eating yeah. dinner. And he sits down across the table from him and was like, you know, you're partly responsible why my wife and kids are dead, and you're sitting mm-hmm. up in here like, it's nothing. You're ordering all these... You know, in my mind, I'm like thinking, he's ordered all these deaths of people's families. Yeah. And he's sitting here like, you know, I'm eating. Ain't nothing. This is my wife and kids. And then you see him experience the fear and terror of witnessing his wife and kids being killed in a way he may have ordered someone else to do it. Yeah. And I think... For me, when I look at Jamal and what he does, I think for me, he is flipping the script and allowing those that he's dealing with that are corrupt to actually feel what it is to be prayed, to feel what it is to uh, be powerless, to feel what it is to be threatened by violence and, and, and fear. And I think that that's that's very important. But at, at the same time, as 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 I think Wally would agree, there is a price to pay for what he does hmm. mentally on him. You know, there is a price to pay at the end of the day um, that we will explore about crossing lines and, and justifications for his actions. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to not have a price when you're dealing with corrupt politicians, gang members, all of that shit. Like, I always think it's like, shit, like, if I had superpowers, it's like, would I announce that shit to the government and be like, yo, I'll help you in wars? But then I'd feel like, fuck, if I do that, then I'm putting my family in danger because then people are going to know me. And, you know, I don't know. I'm always thinking of shit like that. It's like, fuck. Like, there's no way to maneuver if you have superpowers and you want to help people in general, you're always going to do something to fuck somebody else over and they're going to want to get back at you. Right. That's why it's like, yo, if I'm fucking have superpowers, it's like, yo, 
let me just fucking hit up the strip club like these superheroes and fucking the boys and just call it a day. It's like, I'll be flashy with that shit, and then at least I won't have to worry about my family being attacked. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Uh, and side note, too, we sent you a, um, a sampler just so you could check out some of the other uh, stuff whenever you get a chance to. Oh, word, word. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I shot you a message on Instagram. Aha. But it 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 went to you. It should have gave you a shared folder that you can check out whenever you get a chance, and we'll follow up and get you the first issue once it's officially finished, which hopefully will be towards the end of January. You send it to me on IG or no? I think we sent it to your email. All right. You know what? We'll, we'll pull us. We'll pull us up during Patreon. Uh, yeah, it should get you access to a folder. I might have to make you an editor on them. Yeah, I was I was in the folder. There was only a a, a word document in there. That's bad. Yeah, it was only a word document. It was synopsis. Yeah. Yeah, but we'll make sure. Uh, Wally will make. I think Wally's gonna make sure that you get a look at the cover and you get a look at some of the some of the pages that we've had done. Yeah, man, definitely, definitely. Um, where where is this being published? Is it is it just like you guys on your own, or are you guys publishing it somewhere? We're still uh, having some conversations about whether we want to do it. Um, so I just kicked off a joint publishing situation with a couple other creators. So we're debating on bringing it over there or just doing it amongst ourselves. Either way, it'll start out amongst the indie world for sure. And then as we move forward, we'll kind of figure out where else we might want to go and not go with it. Um, okay. All right, cool, cool. Because we got a lot of, Wally and I both feel there's a lot of stories to tell. A lot of stories. Fuck yeah, you know. There's, there's always, bro. It's, it's crazy because, you know, and I, I like, I'm not like the, the king of reading comics. Like I am a jack of all trades with like everything. So when I see new shit come out like The Boys or Invincible or, or even like obviously Walking Dead's not new, but you know when I see this shit dropping and and coming out. Outside of Marvel and DC, the two heavy hitters, that's music to my fucking ears because that tells me it's like, yo, in the next two, five, 10, 15 years, all of the indie shit that I see right now, yeah. something's going to pop to where it's going to be like fucking mainstream and people are going to be telling whether it's animation, anime, live action series or fucking movies or whatever it is. And it's just dope, man. And like you said, there's a lot of stories to tell. And Hollywood is fucking thirsty right now, and they're fucking drowning. They're running out of ideas. All of the fucking people have no idea what they're doing. They're coming out with the same fucking shit, revamping it. You saw Disney is like, oh, we're trying to get Tim Allen back and fucking uh, Tom Hanks for uh, uh, Toy Story 4. It's like, oh, Pixar just dropped the ball for the last five movies, and now you guys want to go back to your bread and butter? And it's like, yo, they, they don't know what to do. They're fucking panicking. But that's where all of this shit that everybody's doing right now you're going to reap the benefits from you just don't or can't see it yet or won't see it yet until you know years from now so yeah true. It's just yeah true and i think oh, for a lot of indie I, creators i think Hello, yeah I, I i got i got the email okay. um all right cool we're gonna pop this open uh for patreon yeah so i think for a lot of indie creators they're seeing stuff on the screen they're like well that's not the story i want to tell but I think I could tell a better story from what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And I think for Wally and I, when we started bouncing this idea around, 
I think in our both of our back of our minds, we had the references like to help us, but we wanted to tell it our way. Yeah. And see it in a certain light. So like the way I see it, like the other day I was talking to him about, well, what kind of theme music do you think this would have? <laughs> I was like, what do you think about Tupac, Ballad of a Dead Soldier? And while he's like, well, yeah, Tupac, because, you know, his connection to Lumberton. Then I said, well, what about Too Short? Now, see, I'm, I'm dating myself here. I was like, well, what, what about some Too Short? And he's like, nah, we're going to stay away from Too Short. <laughs> no disrespect to Short Dog. Now, I got respect yeah. to Short. It's, yeah. yeah. You know, and the particular song, and, and Pac's mom is from Lumberton. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So there's an automatic connection there. But I, also, like I told David, I want to get musical artists from the region as well for certain things that we do to try to shine again, you know, born in Lumberton, partially raised there, raised in Charlotte, the, the, the other side of life. I want to make sure that when I do certain things in some form or fashion, I'm either bringing light or trying to bring opportunity or something to people from these areas. Cause you know, too often we see things get exploited, but there's nothing that's given back. There's nothing yeah. that goes back. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. even with the book sales, the way that I, I'm, me and David are structuring this, once it gets to a place where it's actually making money, I want to be able to contribute money back to certain people whose life actually helps this story move forward. You know what I mean? Like yeah. even in our, our ownership of this project is broken down in a way where other people have ownership besides us. You know what I mean? And And it's just. I get tired of seeing the same system of how things are done and nothing really happening to help change but everybody complains about the problems and no one is, is speaking on any way to change that or to be a you know an inspiration for something that changes that you know i mean like i don't know who said it i first heard it from nip but i don't know who said it but you know the the, the, the idea that the highest the highest achievement in life is to inspire you know what i'm saying like it's, if you can inspire somebody else in a positive way then you've left a lasting impact you know what I mean? And then yeah, if you that, can sounds, people, that sounds like Napoleon Hill or maybe like Andrew Carnegie or some shit like yeah. that. It got to be one of those two. Or maybe John Maxwell, one of them. Yeah, you know, but just, just the idea of looking beyond yourself, you know what I mean? And, and figuring out how you can impact them. The same way somebody impacted me walking into that convention and seeing the Dragon Clan set up, you know what I mean? The same way my, my Laasian homie put me on to DBZ and it sent me on a whole nother path where with, with Dragon Balls and it sent me on a, like just finding ways that you can impact and, and be impactful beyond just, yo, I'm here. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm here, but you know, so I'm, and I'm not saying that Elton is going to completely change the world, but if, if it sparks that one bit of light somewhere, then, then, then that's a huge step. You know what I mean? Anything that, yeah. that Oh, you never know. It just takes one person to put your city on the map, no matter how big or how small. Like, I mean, Detroit, fucking Eminem, um, you know, fucking, I can't think of anything right now. Crenshaw, you get what I'm saying. Crenshaw with Nipsey. Um, yes, yes. Well, I would say well, there was definitely people before Nipsey. I, like, I knew about Crenshaw way before Nipsey, though. But I mean, making it to where people are buying T-shirts. And, oh, okay, gotcha, you know gotcha. I mean? Like, where yes. people are walking so, around. You know what I mean? Facts, facts. Yeah, NWA with Compton. Yes, NWA, Dr. Dre with Compton. Um, South Central. Yeah, New New York's always been New York. Yeah, Yeah, but you but you had Biggie, Biggie helped elevate Brooklyn, and and Marcy 
projects became a thing that people talk about all the time because of Hove and you know the yeah, Bronx. That, my my mom and my uncle are from Marcy. Right, see, I used yeah. to go there for fucking uh, uh, my grandmother's house or apartment, whatever. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking, yeah outcast with Atlanta. Yeah, I was about to say over. the outcast with Atlanta. Yes. Or organized noise, you know what right. I mean? So yeah, right. yes, yes, outcast with Atlanta. I mean, fucking Dipset with Harlem. They put, right. they definitely put Harlem on Mace, all of them. Yeah, so, yeah man. I mean, pe- people do put it on for their specific areas. Um, but then it's like you said, it's like, it's in, then what do you do afterwards? It's like, right. you know, how do you give back to the community? How do you put it in a positive light now? Right. Instead right. of exploiting it. Right. Dope. 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 I think we'll cut it there. We're, we're literally right at an hour. And um, I want to get to the good stuff about marketing um, with you guys for, for Patreon. So if you guys okay. can hang back. But um, everybody listening to this, um, I want to thank Wally and David for hopping on. Um, just sharing a whole bunch of insight. This is a little bit different topic than what we normally talk about on here, but that's fucking dope. Like, I like talking about the PTSD. I like talking about the um, you being a veteran and, and you <clears throat> having your experience in the hood, man. Just talking about your neighborhood and all that shit. And then kind of tying it in with all the nerd shit, which is yeah. comics, anime, and manga and all that. That's yeah, what we fucking sure. do here, all right? Everybody's welcome. Um, you guys got anything that you want to plug? Obviously, we're talking about your main project, but do you guys have other shit that you're working on? You know, uh, plug all your stuff, and then we'll get out of here. Well, there's always Man. Decimation Earth, one and two. Um, we're going to be coming out with three, hopefully next year. Um, and, you know, that's going to be a 12-book series. But um, that, you know, I'm taking my time with Decimation Earth. Um, so... It's gonna it's gonna get good, but right now my focus is on Elta. Destination Earth Fire Project. You heard it from me. Issue one's fire. I didn't know issue two was out. We got we gotta we gotta get on the fucking mic. We gotta get you guys right, man, because I don't want your new project to come out and nobody fucking knows. So we gotta get you guys right. Yeah. But yes, decimation. I can't even fucking talk. Decimation Earth, um, and um, the new project that you guys have coming Everybody. out. What about you, Wally? Yeah. Yo, um, so aside from Elton uh, dropping next year, I have a hardcover project that contains the first number ones of myself, uh, two of the creators from Fourth Wall Studios, Danny Quick, uh, Morgan Iverson, and the homie Ro Lamb. Uh, we're going to drop a hardcover that contains first issues of King Supreme. This cool guy I got back here. Um, first issue of King Supreme, Ace Blade, several other characters, but that book is also going to open the door possibly to be the first time that you see sample pages from Elton. If we decide to publish the request, you'll see a project called Pakuma in that book. And you'll see a project called the betrayer in that book. And it'll kind of be the segue, the stepping stones to the rest of the year and the lineup of projects that we have coming. So this all starts kicking off in January of the end of January of next year. Um, outside of that super bastard and King Supreme heart. I mean, uh, graphic novels, both over hundred pages will be coming out hopefully around summer of next year as well. And just staying busy, bro, building, growing, you know? Yeah. And I, and I've got, uh, two other projects, uh, coming out of grim course studios in 2025. Ooh. We're, we're going to be doing the tomb. They're both going to be horror graphic novels, um, along in the Lovecraftian, uh, space in the sort of in the universe of decimation earth, but a little darker. 
we're going to have the tomb and the night nation. Those are two books that, you know, tomb is ready to go, but we won't be doing anything with it until 2025 night nation is sketched out and it's waiting to be written into the storyboard. So those are other two projects I've got on the horizon as well. Nice. Shout out to Grim Core. That's the fam over there, yep. man. I like what you guys got going on, man. I, I'm fucking digging the uh, horror genre. I was talking with Daniel, and I was explaining my project. He was like, yo, that's kind of like borderline horror. And I didn't even think of it that way. And I was like, yo, it, 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 you're right. It, it, it could be, depending on the artwork, too. Yeah. But I was like, it could be. It could be. Um, so nice, man. Nice. I, I love that you guys are fucking – you guys are way busier than, like, I expected. Obviously, I know Destination Earth and the new project, but you guys are, like, fucking really working, man. That fucking inspires me. Inspires me. Hopefully, it inspires everybody listening to this. And, um, yeah, if you're listening, subscribe to the channel. Hit up the podcast. Subscribe to that as well. Follow us on all of our platforms. And uh, other than that, we are getting the fuck out of here. All right? Peace out. Later. <laughs>